in our company, like the policy is to have like zero bullshit. A lot of people, you know, when, when growth hacking was at the very beginning, like a few years back, and, and people were super excited about it, uh, whether it's the Airbnb hack or the Hotmail hack. And now you see like every single company trying and searching for the next growth hack. I feel like sometimes it's really good to just come back to the very basic of building a successful and profitable business, which is you need to bring the best ROI possible for your customers. If you succeed in that part, then you know they would recommend you. And if they recommend you, you get more customers and so forth and so on. Hello and welcome to a massive episode of the Confessions of a B2B Marketer podcast. Now, today we're going to be jumping into a very interesting interview with Guillaume, the CEO and founder of Lemlift. Now, these guys have grown from nothing to 1 million ARR in two years. So we're going to be jumping into that chat and I'm going to be sharing the seven things that these guys have done that we're going to uncover during that interview. We're also going to be looking into the May results, the May numbers for SaaS Marketer. So we're going to understand how the traffic grown, how subscribers grown, what's happening to revenue. So you can gain an understanding of how we're building that media asset and how it's impacting the revenue streams. But first, of course, we need to hear from our first and best sponsor, this is Document360, knowledge-based software that scales with your product. I asked CEO Saravana Kumar why a SaaS marketer or founder should care about building a knowledge base for their SaaS. Today, uh, content marketing has become a de facto standard for any modern businesses. It's very simple principle. If, you, if you're not found in Google for your niche, the target audience, it's guaranteed you're going to die. What people don't realize is content marketing is not about just writing exciting blog articles, ebooks, white papers, infographics, and YouTube videos. A good knowledge base about your product explaining the features and benefits can also become a key driver for traffic via Google. Stripe is a, is a great example, like this is one company which transformed completely and given the importance of uh, knowledge base. And today you can see similar patterns with some of the successful companies like uh, Twilio, Algolia, etc. where there were a lot of emphasis on the product knowledge base. And this is one thing, you know, the SaaS marketers and founders can, uh, uh, can take uh, advantage of. And also, apart from in the marketing benefits, there are also good uh, reasons why you should maintain a great knowledge base. Probably, you know, like uh, uh, 50% of your support tickets can be reduced if you have a really good knowledge base. Today, people are, you know, people are a bit skeptical. They really don't want to talk to each other. You know, like uh, if there is a problem, they the first uh, thing they wanted to do is uh, uh, find a solution themselves. They go search in Google first, and if you have a really good knowledge base, you know, half of your problems will be sorted straight away. So hence, it's super important, you know, SaaS marketers and founders should pay attention to their knowledge base in addition to uh, other content channels. Thank you for that, Saravana. And before we move on, I want to share that, yes, we do actually listen and take feedback from our listeners, uh, we're going to cut the outro music about now. Some people have said it's a bit annoying or it's too loud in the background, so we've done that for you.
Carrying on from last week, I want to share more about how SaaS Marketer did in May. We, we had a phenomenal month, actually, and I want to break down what, what that means. What do I mean by a phenomenal month and how we basically did that? So anyone else uh, in, in the process of content marketing or building a content site or building kind of any information business can learn and ideally implement that for themselves. Now, if you didn't hear last week's episode where I break down the kind of strategy, either go and check that out or the basic approach here is that we're building a front-end media brand where we add value to the community with content. We enable the, com- the community to connect. And this attention machine, we will grow over time and then we work out other ways to monetize that, whether that's sponsorship, affiliate services, or software. And so the, the fact that in May, the, the growth of the community was between 50% to 200% on nearly all the metrics, and I'll go through them in a second, is a really good sign. Now, revenue actually dropped from April to May by 2%. We're at about $14,000 in April, and then about $13.6,000 in May. Now, that revenue doesn't include Bcast revenue. We have just services, sponsorship, and affiliate on the SaaS marketer side. So that did drop slightly, but we see the, all the other metrics I'm going to go through now as leading indicators for revenue. So we would expect revenue to, to potentially increase from June and into July based on these increased metrics. What are those metrics that did improve? And I'll quickly run, run through. Total website sessions where we broke the 10K barrier, and this is month three of the site being live. Uh, we were about 4,000 in April, and we just hit 10K in May. Now, the majority is not organic. We had, out of those 10K, 157 organic sessions in May. So it's a big improvement area. Referring domains tripled from 24 up to 70. That's from April to May. And backlinks nearly doubled from 160 to 295. Podcast downloads nearly tripled from 1,042 up to just over 3,000 in May. The Facebook group, again, like nearly 50% growth, so 948 members in April, and then 1,365 currently at the end of May. So all of these metrics, oh yeah, and especially email subscribers, jumped again by over 50%. So we're at 2,000 at the end of April, and now we're at 3,308. You can see all of these kind of organic content metrics did really, really well in May. So why was that? And obviously, as I explained, we're getting basically no organic traffic. I spent a total of, I think, about £100 just boosting one of the case studies from May. That was the Zapier case study where I simply boosted it to people interested in that brand. I'm probably going to stop doing that. I can't directly track. Like We definitely get an uplift in email subscribers, but I don't think there's any real benefit from doing that. Again, the sessions... I'm not coming from organic. They're not coming from paid. So essentially, where are they coming from? And there's really there's kind of two, two things I would say here. The first is when you get really, really good at making a specific type of content, then you get other people referring and sharing to it and sharing it. And, and therefore, if you are struggling with getting more attention on the content, the first thing I would do is go back and understand, am I creating the best thing? in this specific niche. And for us, that's these kind of actionable case study, extensive actionable case studies of SaaS companies, right? That's basically all we do and this podcast. 
And so because I've been doing that for over a year, I've got, I think I've got, <laughs> at least the feedback to me is that these case studies are really good. And so I get brands like ProfitWell, I get various different SaaS newsletters, a chart mogul referring and including us and then sharing the content obviously with their audience. So that's the first thing I'd say. And the second thing is really an overarching kind of community content strategy, which is, is super simple. Like you are the brand, there are other places on the internet where your perfect customers are. And so all you need to do in order to get kind of that free attention is go into those places, add value, and then somehow subtly or sneakily link back to your site. We did that quite effectively in May in various places, and I'll quickly run through. The first of which was Product Hunt, and I guess that's, that's kind of separate because they actually encourage and allow you to, to go to their site, submit your product, and then link back to your site. But I previously, I didn't really want to do the product launch thing. It was kind of like something that you product hunt thing. It was kind of like something that you have to do and to like get it out of the way. But I, I was ple pleasantly surprised by the, the ratio of effort to, to, to launch there and the, the results. We launched back in the middle of May, ended up picking a total of, I think it's 562 upvotes. Uh, that's now. And we hit kind of number four product of the day, or that was May the 19th. And it ended up driving around 2,000 sessions to the site. And it's probably responsible for the bulk of the email subscribers. We had a couple of days where we had 200 email subscribers added per day. So I probably attribute about 700 email subscribers to the product hunt launch. So a couple of things I think we did well. One, like just build a GIF. I think the GIF is super important on product hunt. And I definitely wouldn't launch without the GIF. Uh, if you've ever been on product hunt, you'd understand what I mean by that. Number two is engage everybody that like upvotes, comments, or reviews, and not just on Product Hunt, on anywhere where you, where you submit to that. Obviously, we had a pretty big audience already, so I was able to put the Product Hunt link in our Facebook group and also in the weekly email that we send. So that definitely helped. I think Product Hunt is really good for free products, not so good for paid. And then the, the most important part is that you have optimized where you're sending people to collect a permission asset before you launch. Now, obviously, we've had the SaaS market site up for three months, and I've kind of honed our conversion process from site visitor to email address. Over that, the site's currently converting about 12 to 13% to email. So we have three email opt-ins that you've probably seen if you've been on the site. And so we were ready when we had those 2,000 sessions, we were ready to, to convert 12 to 13%. And so I definitely do that first. So if you're considering product time, why not spend time optimizing uh, whatever thing you want these people to do when they get onto your site, but then also building that initial audience so that when you do go live on Product Hunt, you can send those people and get that early boost of upvotes. So Product Hunt was really good. And then the, the rest of the traffic really comes from this community strategy that I just shared. And I outlined the majority of this strategy on an Indie Hackers post just yesterday. So I'll pick out some of the, the core things from that. When you are trying to get free traffic from other people's community, you have to understand the incentive of the person who owns the community. Now, most people that have communities online know that if they get their community to be more engaged, that's going to serve them. So we take Facebook groups, for example. 
the admins of Facebook groups know that Facebook will send them more people if they have an engaged group. That's basically how Facebook groups work. And so they just optimize constantly for engagement. And so if you are able to give them what they want, then yeah, you give them what they want first, then they will, in theory, come back to give you what you want. And so, and that basically means allowing your post in the group. My strategy here has been going to these communities, add value, take content, take the best parts of the case studies that we produce, post them in these groups, and optimize that for engagement. And if we get that engagement, the admins are going to like us, they're going to allow our posts. And over time, this will get us more exposure to their audience. The best example of this has been, there's a specific Facebook group called SaaS Growth Hacks. And I, I will go in and I'll put out the, the kind of core insights from each case study, not include a link, and post them directly into the group with like native images. And we, we've had absolutely insane results from this. So we've had like likes of up to 370 with 200 comments. And yeah, yes, Tom, you're getting that engagement, but then how do you drive that back? And so then somewhere in the comments, if someone asks for the full article, or maybe I'll just post it, I'll, I'll put that in there. And the admins, the admins of the group seem generally happy with that. And so that's driven like up to 500 sessions in, in one day back to the site, and that's just one single Facebook group. So that, this is the, the overarching strategy we use at the moment. Whilst we don't have a paid strategy to drive traffic, organic isn't really working yet. And so that is, is basically responsible for the majority of the growth. But yeah, it, it basically all comes back, back to, it is the content that you're posting really good? How do you make it better? So in May, we released two case studies. So we had Zapier and we had Document360, which both performed pretty well. We also released two podcast interviews, one with Tim Solo and one with Max Altshuler. Of course, when you create content with other people, uh, they are normally incentivized to share. So I know Document360 did kind of extensive promotion for their case study. I know Zapier, like a lot of people from Zapier read the case study. I haven't seen them publicly share it yet. They say maybe they're not happy with it. But to summarize, go back and understand or, or try to make your content the best specific thing in that niche. And once you do that, then go to other places on the internet where your people are, understand the incentives of those people, try and add value to that community and optimize for engagement, and then somehow take people back to your site and then collect the permission asset. That's the overall strategy that we're running in. And we will continue to run as we look at other kind of traffic generation strategies, specifically organic. I'm doing a lot of work at the, on that at the moment. So in theory, we should see organic grow over the next couple of months. And that's enough about us. That's enough about SaaS Marketer. Let's move over and speak to someone further along the journey. And I'll be honest here, my, motivation, my motivations for bringing Guillaume on uh, were not entirely selfless. I've kind of watched these guys grow over the past two years with, I wouldn't say envy, but more with admiration. They've basically gone from nothing, pretty much bootstrapped, or actually completely bootstrapped, up to 1 million ARR in two years. And it may not be obvious as you go through, but there are seven things I think have led to this growth that are covered in this interview, but not explicitly. So I'll share them afterwards if you don't get them. But here we go. Let's welcome Guillaume to the show. Thanks a lot, Tom, for having me. Now, I'm super excited about this chat. You guys have essentially come out of nowhere. And in two years, we have this almost empire um, with 1 million AR, admittedly from three different tools. And what I want to jump into in this chat is focusing on one of those, Lemlist. 
to understand how you have taken that from nothing up to approximately 750 ARR in those two years. Before we do that, can you just give us a bit of a backdrop to you and the team and understand how this all came about? Yeah, definitely. So essentially, like um, Lemlist is a sales automation platform that helps salespeople uh, book more meetings. Um, and prior to launching Lemlist, I actually had like um, a lead generation agency. So I was helping startups scale up SMBs and sometimes enterprise in their user acquisition, especially focusing on cold emails and sales prospecting. Um, after using pretty much all the tools on the market, I really felt like even though there were tons of them, none were really focusing you know, on the on the pain salespeople were feeling, which is you know like the personalization that takes a lot of time, uh, helping salespeople be more creative, giving them more option to personalize. So I decided to, with my two co-founders, who are actually like uh, tech geniuses and who have been in the SaaS world for like twenty five years. Um, to launch like a uh, lamb list in uh, January, 2018. And in basically like two years, we, we reached uh, the million AR with, uh, with lamb list. So it's, uh, it's been a pretty, pretty cool growth with uh, where we average, I think at around like 22 to 20, 23% on several months growth rates. Got it. Now I thought it was 1 million AR for all three products, but you're saying no, actually you've reached that goal with lamb list as well. Yeah, absolutely. So we've crossed. Uh, we've crossed that. So we we reached uh, that goal with all our products. I think it was maybe in uh, something like twenty months. And uh, for Lemlist itself, uh, Lemlist reached uh, one million AR in like twenty three months. So a little bit less, uh, a little bit less than uh, than the twenty four months. <laughs> well, uh, congratulations. Um, quick <laughs> question about the agency. Was that your agency? That you, that you created that was doing this work manually? Yeah, absolutely. So essentially, like we, I co-founded the, the agency with um, another guy from my master's um, and we were actually uh, hiring a lot of people from Eastern Europe or Philippines in order to do a lot of uh, data entry and personalization. And we're kind of um, managing the, the entire process. So we were managing like tens of people to crunch the data and build like qualified list of prospects. And then on our end, we were managing the creation of cold email copy and, uh, and, um, and sending the email, automating the prospecting. So our customers could essentially get meetings on autopilots. Got it. So it's almost like a natural progression to remove the manual effort that those people are doing, build automation, and then you have some software you can sell to the same agency clients. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. Now, early on, you did a couple of successful launches, both on AppSumo and Product Hunt. Could you share a little bit more about how you made those go so well? Yeah, def so to be honest, like uh, Product Hunt, it was very unexpected. So um, I, we did like a, a very soft launch in a group where essentially I did the, the classic trick when I want to validate an idea. I just posted the, the brighter future, which in that case was um, a screenshot of a campaign uh, that I actually made up, you know, with something like 45% reply rate, etc. And I told people, okay, we built a software that will allow you to do exactly that. Would you be interested in, in joining the beta? And I asked people to comment interested if they were interested. And we had like hundreds of comments and people willing to join our beta. 
And faced, uh, facing that success, like um, we had a guy from India who decided to to copy our unique feature, which was uh, initially like uh, image personalization. And he, he wanted to launch on product and has, as possible in order to be the first one to do it after like stealing our idea. So we essentially like decided to launch three weeks after the first line of codes on product end when the product was definitely not ready and not pretty at all. Um, and from there, I guess like people really enjoyed the fact that we were a bit different. So we were in a market that was definitely saturated, but we were bringing something new to the table, which was, you know, like identifying the, the real pain of salespeople, which is getting more meeting booked. And we were like offering the right solution for it. And on top of that, I would say that the fact that we were also doing everything bootstrapped kind of, um, you know, like touch people in a sense where, you know, like instead of having to pay, I don't know, a super expensive video that usually people do when they launch on product and, you know, to explain how the product works, etc. It was just like me telling the story about the product and, and decided to to explain to people why we were launching today, etc. So it was much more human, and uh, I guess that it helped us a lot uh, for product end. And just after that, actually, we got in touch with AppSumo. Um, so for those who don't know AppSumo, it's like um, kind of the Groupon or like a, a reseller that instead of selling um, your software as a monthly recurring subscription, they will sell a lifetime deal to their community of more than one million entrepreneurs, small business owners, etc. Uh, so they got in touch with us and we were like, okay, that can be a good opportunity for us to, for all the, the all our customers who've been in beta with us for a couple of months to just like pay a one time fee just so we can, you know, express our gratitude to them for all the feedback they gave us. And on top of that, leverage the AppSumo community to start building our own from scratch. Got it. And did you actually have any paying customers before you did the AppSumo launch? No, <laughs> but Which, they're not supposed to know about it. <laughs> uh, okay, yeah, you're supposed to have customers. But actually, if you think about it, you kind of don't want to have that many customers because they might get annoyed that they're on a subscription plan, whereas all these new people are getting the lifetime deal. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I think it's it's um I think it's a tricky it's a very tricky place. Like I think if you're under like 10k MRR, um, that's definitely something you should think about. Uh, but it depends on many things. You know, it depends on your market. It depends on your target customers. If your product is for enterprise, don't launch on AppSumo. If your product has a lot of high cost, high fixed cost, uh, server cost, etc., don't launch on AppSumo. You need to have something that can scale really well because you know it will it will have a lot of people joining when you launch. Yeah. So that deal put about fifty thousand dollars in your guys' pockets, right? But yeah. aside from that, were there any other benefits that you realized? Uh, yeah. To be honest, it was great because um, the people from um, like the Sumo Links, which are like the, the name of the, the people from AppSumo. They, they brought us like really good feedback on the product so we can improve it. Um, I would say that the, the best feedback we had, to be honest, were coming from uh, the people buying the, the monthly fee to our software, just because I think that once you buy a lifetime deal, uh, the value you see in the product is, is sometimes a bit screwed up. Um, but eventually, like, um, they really helped us in, uh, in building like the, the first, I would say the first, uh, community that we started building on Facebook. 
um, in order to really like exchange tips, um, understand what their pain was. So it was really like insightful for us and we were able to create really the best content based on their feedback, on their needs. And I think that was really, really helpful. And this is a nice kind of transition into one of my other questions about the, the two Facebook groups you guys are running right now. Was that the, the AppSumo community, was that, did that seed the sales automation family that you have now? Yeah, absolutely. I think it was, um, yeah, it, it, really, it really like seeded the, the community. Uh, we had like uh, essentially like yeah, a bit less than a thousand people uh, within, I would say, two and a half months after launching the community. So obviously, like not all of the Sumolings joined, but some of them did. And it was really helpful, like just to get the, the community started, to get the conversation started, to have the first persons posting and interacting with each other content. So, yeah, it was, uh, it was definitely like a, a good boost for that. So I, I don't know if the AppSumo guys would like me saying this, but some of the, the products that go and sell on AppSumo will do the lifetime deal and you, you might not hear from them again or you might <laughs> not see their brands grow. You yeah. guys have obviously done this very well because you did the AppSumo deal and then in two years you're on 1 million ARR. Any advice for people considering or doing the AppSumo deal on how you actually make that transition from the lifetime into a sustainable software company? Yeah. So I think like it's um, I think it's very it's a very interesting question. Like for me, it's like AppSumo will give you like a boost of revenue, which is nice when you when you just start. But if your company was not successful before and you were not getting any traction, it's not gonna be like magical. Because um, I remember like after AppSumo and after the launch, uh, we were not closing tons of deals every week. You know, it was not as if everything has changed from before AppSumo to after AppSumo, nothing has changed, to be honest, uh, on the acquisition side. So it's more about like, I would say, focusing on the needs of your customers. And with AppSumo, the good thing is you have a lot of customers to talk to. So spend time talking to your users, try to identify the one that are the closest to your targets. And then based on that, you can really like build the right features uh, be close to your user, always communicate, don't hide, um, and always try to write valuable content and not just content that will rank on SEO, content that will, I don't know, like promote your service, etc. That's, that's, not, that's not the goal. Like The goal is really like to help your users become successful. And if you can do that, then you'll be successful. Got it. So using AppSumo almost like a springboard, bring in those customers, find the ones that are put like the best for you. And then that's where it starts, really. That's where you have to start building the product and your content around that specific person. Yeah, absolutely. And I think like, yeah, the mistakes most people are doing when they launch on AppSumo is to think that when I launch on AppSumo, I'm going to be successful. Um, it doesn't really work like that. It's like when you launch on AppSumo, that's kind of, where the, the hardest part of the work starts, you know, like it's, uh, you have to, to go after everyone. You have to, to think about your product, probably rethink a few things, try to organize all the feedback you get, et cetera, et cetera. Sure. Now growth from, for year one for Lemlist, I believe was, was up to 250 K AR. And then obviously yeah. after the next year, we're at 1 million. Yeah. I know there are like multiple things that you must have done to help you grow, including building, building an amazing product. 
But on the growth side, was there, what, what was the one thing from year one that you think really turned the needle? And then also for year two, and was it the same or was it something different? Hmm. That's like uh, that's a, a really good question. I think like um, on our end, uh, what we were really good at is uh, the community part. So um, making sure that our users are successful, I think it was the key. Uh, meaning that I was spending like countless hours recording videos to explain how to make the most of the product, giving tips on how to grow the company, how to use cold email within the strategies, um, building growth guides. Uh, trying to really like help our users succeed in their business, um, which you know it's it's the type of articles where and actually like the the guides you write, I, I don't know how well they rank on SEO, but I know that they're like super detailed, they're actionable. You get tons of insight from them, and I think that's yeah. the type of content that really perform well. Uh, even though you know like you don't always think about like ranking in SEO and all this stuff, but you're trying to provide value, which I think is what matters the most in the long run. So for us, yeah, there were like many things. Um, building my personal brand on LinkedIn also was, uh, was something that brought us like so many customers. Uh, every time I was making a post, I was getting like between, I don't know, like 10 to 100 leads straight into my, my inbox. So I didn't have to do pretty much anything from that. Um, and then, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's just to try to, to connect the dots. So I see a lot of people, you know, like, um, they would have like someone for Facebook, they would have someone from, for LinkedIn, they would have someone for email, they would have someone for sales, etc. Initially, I was the only one doing all of this. So for me, it made sense to, okay, so if I write like a, a blog post that's super actionable, what I'm going to do is record a video about it. Then I'm going to break it into 10 posts on LinkedIn. Then I'm going to share it in our community. Then I'm going to distribute it over the newsletter. And, you know, like doing all this, and and linking the dots, I think it's it's also what makes the content resonate like much more, and it helps you like kind of build and grow your audience. Yeah, I think you've actually done very well to build the kind of yourself as an influencer. Would you agree? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm. So we have uh, if you're approaching twenty thousand followers on LinkedIn. Yeah, <laughs> that's a big milestone. Um. You're right on the SEO point. The case studies I write do not rank that well on SEO <laughs> at the moment, anyway. And so we're looking we're looking into that. But the fee, you're right. The feedback I get from them just keeps me going, and the amount of traffic we generate is just really amazing. And it's obviously yeah, growing billion dollars. Yeah. Um, but this, to be honest, these are the type of articles I like to write. Uh, I like to read. Sorry, because like I mean, your articles are great, and you know, like usually you have people that are just writing to make an article rank. So it's really, it's usually like super boring, um, doesn't get too much insight. It goes around like, yeah. Exactly. And so your two big updates that you did after year one and year two, they were posted on LinkedIn, right? A, a kind of the same style where it's a long form post where you're breaking down what worked and what yeah. didn't. Yeah. Awesome. Um, back to the Facebook community again, actually. We were there, but now we're back there. Um, have you seen Facebook sending you a lot of people into the group because it's obviously very engaged and it's obviously of a significant size now? Yeah, I, I think like in the last couple of months, the community has, uh, yeah, or since the beginning of the year, I would say the community has grown like dramatically, but that's because we've put a bit much, 
a bit more effort, I would say, in, in growing it. Um, so we're bringing external guests in order to bring like their audience or people interested in them in order for them to join the community and from the community get, uh, get you know, to know Lemlist and the Lemlist family community. Um, but from the Facebook side, I think it's very difficult because um, it's difficult to, to know the source of the people joining the community. But definitely yeah. Facebook has, and I know that Facebook put us a lot in recommending group or when people type sales or this type of keywords, we, will, we would appear from time to time. Yeah, but you're right. It's hard. Like you don't know the quality of those people. You don't know where they're coming from. But we, I've yeah, seen that as well. Just in the last like month, we're getting like, 10 to 20 new requests. We're not as big as you. We're like 1.2K, but we're getting 10 to 20 new requests per day. Nice. Um, so Facebook must be doing something. Um, cool. Next question is on that strategy. So I, I think I saw you bought Aaron Ross, like predictable, predictable revenue guy yeah. mm-hmm. into the group. And so did you host that interview just in the group? And did you say, Aaron, send an email to your list and tell them to join the group so you can watch the interview? <laughs> Yeah, so the, the interview was only in the group and all our interviews are, are just in the group. After that, we repose them on YouTube and we're going to create articles about that because to be honest, like the, the live interviews we do are really like full of gold nuggets. Like it's, it's really great like to have people sharing. I think the fact that our community is like super focused on sales and sales automation makes it like um, very interested for some speakers just because, you know, they know specifically which target is in the group. Um, so for Aaron Ross, like, we don't usually ask, like, we, we, we don't force people to post or send emails to their list or whatever, but we make their life easy. So what we do, you know, like, it's, it's always about doing the extra mile. I think in every single part of your business, if you can make people's or other people's life easy, you'll be recognized for it. So what we do is, Whenever we, we create this type of event, we're going to send an email explaining that they could share uh, a post on LinkedIn, for example, and here is the type of post that they could write, for example. And we're going to write a post for them with all the links, so they just have to copy-paste it. If they want to edit it or do another one, they can, but we made the work easy for them, so eventually if they just want to copy-paste it and post it, that's fine. Um, so that's the type of thing we do, and we've seen it work much better than if you just say like, hey, like share the love on social. And then, you know, like people don't have any asset to share. They don't have an image. They don't have a post. So they don't know what to write. And usually they forget or they say to their team and then the content is not good. And yeah, it's, it's better to be in control of these things and allow people for a bit of freedom. So if they want to share it, great. If they don't want, that's fine because we're going to tag them eventually on a post so people will see it. Now, you mentioned already that content has played a big part. I've seen you writing that and saying that if you don't write content, then you're dead. Um, yeah. <laughs> you guys have managed to pull in some pretty high-profile backlinks. I'm seeing HubSpot, Zapier, Freshworks to the content. Has, has that been through proactive link-building outreach, or are they just linking back to you because your stuff is so good? No, to be honest, like um, I, I think the biggest backlink we got didn't come from a link building campaign. Right now, we have like someone who's uh, who's been handling SEO for I would say like two to three months, yeah, maybe three months at Lemlist, um, and is doing like more backlink outreach, etc. But 
the biggest uh, the biggest link we got was just because of the of the content we wrote which i think was quite uh, like i mean was shared a lot and i feel like it's because you know our content initially when we wrote it was not uh, meant for seo so we were just writing things that we know worked it was really like experiment based actionable advice etc which i think make the content like even greater than you know, when you just think SEO and, okay, how many times do I have to write this keyword so it works? Uh, how, what title should I put in order to, to make the search really about my article, like, and et cetera, et cetera, you know? The kind of the penultimate question I want to ask is about this focus thing. So you, there are obviously three products, LamPod, LamTalk, and LamList. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, the, the team that you have, is that, is everybody split over all product? Like, how, how are you working out the resourcing for those three? Um, so it, it kind of changed over time. Um, and, and right now we have, like, a different approach. But initially, like, um, so tech team would split their time between product based on the roadmaps that we decided. Um, and then for, the, for each product, we would have, like, one person that would follow the growth guides that I wrote internally. So I've got like, uh, in, I'm not sure, maybe you're familiar with the tool uh, Notion. It's like wiki where you can put all the yeah. docs and notes, etc. So I've, I've got a section that's called growth process where essentially I've, I've mapped out all the acquisition channel from SEO to email outreach to LinkedIn influence to building communities, etc. And it's basically like step-by-step guides with very concrete examples of what you should do, et cetera. And my goal was to hire on each project a kind of a head of growth and basically like help him or, or her um, keep the growth going on, on each and every project. So I would be managing basically like uh, their to-dos and their vision, giving them also freedom, you know, to, to innovate and test things and would give them the best, I would say, processes to, to put in place. And they would grow basically like each project while I'll still be mainly focused on, uh, on Lemlist, which is the biggest product and, and I would say our first baby. <laughs> Got it. Awesome. And so you are still responsible for the growth of all three? Well, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, to be honest, it's, uh, it's a teamwork. So, so obviously, like, I've been managing, like, the, the business as the CEO. So most of the, the gross ideas and, and gross tactics, I would say, like, would come from me. And, but now, you know, like, I've, uh, since, I would say, like, uh, last August, when we decided to, to hire people on LamTalk and LamPod, uh, the people have, um, have, uh, have hired I've actually like trained them, give them like tons of feedback on what to do or not to do. And they've really like upskill and got to an, a level where they are like fully independent and they know what to do or not to do. So it's, uh, yeah, we, 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 we are like at a stage where uh, the growth doesn't only come from me and comes from the entire team and, uh, and from, yeah, everyone's work essentially. Awesome. So when I speak to like, SaaS growth people and when I'm like reading SaaS growth content I'm always like scanning to try and find out what like, what the secret is what are they doing different what's the hack but what I'm hearing from you really is that is this almost mindset or belief that if you 
enable your customers to be successful, whether that's with a product or with content, then you'll be successful. And would you say that's accurate? That's like the secret if there was one. Yeah, I think that's that's definitely accurate. You know, like um, I think like a lot of people, like in our company, like the policy is to have like zero bullshit. Uh, a lot of people, you know, when when growth hacking was at the very beginning, like a few years back, and, and people were super excited about it, uh, whether it's the Airbnb hack or the Hotmail hack, and now you see like every single company trying and searching for the next growth hack. I feel like. Sometimes it's really good to just come back to the very basic of building a successful and profitable business, which is you need to bring the best ROI possible for your customers. If you succeed in that part, then you know they would recommend you. And if they recommend you, you get more customers and so forth and so on. But some people, you know, I think that they're always looking for the the shinier, I would say, like growth strategy or growth hack without thinking long-term. And I think that's the case for 90% of businesses. And for me, it's a shame because I feel like sometimes you have like great product, great team, but they're just not focused on the right thing. And there we go. We're going to leave it there. So anybody listening, even if you don't need a cold email outreach tool, then I recommend going to lenders.com and just observing the community, the content, and the product to, to experience that lesson in SaaS growth and to, to see this kind of ethos that Guillaume and the rest of the team are bringing. So Guillaume, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks a lot, Tom, for having me. An amazing story. Did you spot the seven things? If not, here, here's what I picked out. First of all, and we touched on this a couple of times in the interview, there was a real drive to add value first. Like with the content, with the product, Guillaume is constantly talking about how can you improve the lives of people? And if you do that, somehow you'll be making money. I think that's the first and most important thing. Next, they, they launched very efficiently. They, three weeks post the first line of code, they were launching on Product Hunt. They were launching on AppSumo. And so there's a lot of momentum from launch. They didn't spend six months building and then get depressed and annoyed, and then kind of give up. They, they did three weeks, product hunt, AppSumo. That put 50K in the bank account to kind of spur the, the, the product development, and then also spur motivation. So I think that helped. They have a focus on community. They're, they're, they're building one specific Facebook group, which is really good, and it's growing really fast. And you can tell the whole business really cares about, again, growing, growing like adding value to those people and growing that community. There's a transition that I've talked about a few times from agency to SaaS. Guillaume previously had an agency that did the thing that the software does, but with people. And so the, the, like that time with the agency obviously enabled Guillaume to understand the persona and then start automating parts of that process for the software. Writing for people, not search engines. So focusing on, again, adding value, not necessarily just optimizing for organic traffic. And this is normally the best way because that over time, the better content will get better links and therefore will we'll rank anyway. Connecting the dots between growth strategies. So Guillaume was saying that he was the only person doing all of the marketing at the start. And therefore, he was able to take content from one strategy and then kind of spread that around. So it's, it's a super efficient way of like making maximum noises, ensuring that all of your online marketing sort of campaigns or strategies are connected. And then finally, Piggy backing audiences. So he's bringing 
big names into the community to interview for search of Aaron Ross, for example, and then like making it super easy for them to share, but then also at the same time, creating awesome content for their internal community. So those are the seven things I've picked out and we'll be covering these, of course, in a full SaaS marketer case study in the coming weeks. I want to thank you so much for listening as always, and please subscribe, rate, and review in your favorite podcast listening app. And if you have any questions, you can ping me an email at tom at sasmarketer.io. That's tom at sasmarketer.io.